Welcome to episode 63 of the Gumpiners podcast. The original crew, Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law. Jeremy Law back for vacation. Jeremy uh, went down to the beach, took the fan to the beach. How was, uh, how was baby girl Adeline's first first trip to the beach? You get a little suntan? I'm going to make sure my mute's off, unlike Dudley. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was in the car listening to last week's episode, and my wife's like, is he going to talk? Like Chase just asked him a question. He's like, oh, my mute's on, my mute's on. No, I'm sure you know, Chase, there's not – when you take a six-month-old to the beach, it's, it's fun, it's enjoyable, but it's not really vacation. It's a lot of work still. No, we had a good time, missed the episode, enjoyed last week's episode. I, t- I texted y'all, Lester minus five points for having Kenyon Drake in his tops running backs list. Chase had a couple of gump points subtracted because he didn't know Derrick Henry was El Tractor Cito <laughs> with the Titans. No, really good episode. I'll give Dudley some credit. He has some good questions at the end, and I enjoyed y'all's answers. Yeah, no doubt. I got some bad news for you, though. It's not just a six-month-old. That stuff continues, I mean, all the way. I mean, even even with AJ being four, like, you take her down to the beach. I mean, she wants to, like, run into the water. Like, you have to – they're just – you have to keep constant watch. You can't look away for a second. And uh, so that doesn't get any better. So, um don't don't sleep on them because they're 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 fast and it happens really quick. So you always got to keep an eye on them babies. But uh, guys, tonight we're gonna we're gonna take you through. Um, I know a lot of, a lot of you people listening to this might think, hey, it's early. Um, why are they talking about playoff predictions already? But you know, you, you're three weeks out from fall camp, and uh, of course, you know, once we get into fall camp, it'll be hot and heavy, and the reports coming out from from practice. Uh, you know, how are the freshmen doing, uh, the guys that didn't enroll in January, the uh, the summer enrollees, and, uh, you know, depth. We're, we're going to cover depth-wise Alabama's, you know, offensive line and, and receivers. We're going to try to predict those over the next couple of weeks. But tonight we're going to give you uh, – or this episode, we're going to give you our playoff predictions. And, uh, and then we're going to break down – we all – I believe that there is a big four in the SEC West this year. And, uh, you know, sadly, I'm sorry if you're an Auburn fan listening to this, but Auburn's just not going to be a contender a contender in the SEC this year. Um, you know, maybe if Harson can find some recruits or hit some big names in the portal, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of thinking he has to go eight and four, you would think, to maybe even keep his job. But uh, that's something we'll talk about in later episodes. Um, I think that LSU, you know, with, with Brian Kelly coming in, I don't think he's prepared – for the type of strain the SEC will put on you, particularly the SEC West. And, uh, and of course, Mississippi State, you know, the power. Everybody loves him. Everybody loves watching the offense, but it just hasn't amounted to anything, and I don't think it's going to again this year. Um, so with those three not being contenders, you got, the, you got your big four left, Alabama, Texas A&M, Arkansas, and Ole Miss. Um, and, uh, and so we'll, we'll talk about – Maybe who has the easiest schedule, who has the toughest schedule, and what does their path to the SEC look like or, or through the SEC look like? But uh, J-Law, um, I think Lester's having some Wi-Fi issues, so he'll be back in here in a second. So let's let's go ahead and get in, into our playoff predictions um, straight up. If you want to do a one through four, you can. If you want to try to get really detailed with it, you can. But if not, you can just pick who, who you think – is going to be those final four teams come December. Um, you know, 
you've got your your big names out there, but I think you have a little bit of a wild card for us that I'm interested in hearing. So so go ahead and give me your top four and who you got making the playoff in the 2022-2023 season. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm going to go – it's going to complete homer. Alabama's only missed one playoff. Um, they played for, what, national ty- – uh, college football playoff national championship six times, I think. So, I mean, they – they haven't really missed any. They've missed the playoff once. They haven't been in the national title game like three three of those times. So, I mean, it, I like Alabama. Best roster, probably top to bottom this year. That goes away next year. Um, I like Ohio State. Yeah, I don't see another contender in the, in the Big Ten this year other than Ohio State. I know Michigan State could look like trouble. Michigan lost a, a lot of talent. And there's nobody else on the other side of the Big Ten. I mean, you start talking about Maryland, Rutgers, Purdue, like all those guys, like not really, not really a challenger. And Ohio State has one of the best rosters in football, also. I like it's gonna sound crazy because people have quit on Dabo over the last few years. I saw a um well, I sent y'all a list that somebody made. Dabo, they got him ranked as like the third best coach in football, and Alabama fans wouldn't want him. Um, but I like Dabo out of the ACC, he's got a favorable schedule. Even if DJ Uyagalele isn't playing great, man, they're really excited about Cade Klubnik up there, the, the freshman quarterback that just came in. And if he didn't finish as the number one quarterback, like in the consensus rankings, he probably should have with how talented he was. I know he blew up at the Elite 11 and like the Spark Combines and all that last year. Had a really good senior year. Um, Coach Zal that was at. Silicaga a few years ago, I think kind of helped in his in his recruitment a little bit. I saw him on his Instagram story a few times. They're they're really excited about what they have, and they will have one of the best defenses in football this year. Clemson will weak schedule, good defense. I think they get to the playoff. And how about this, Lincoln Riley? He made the playoffs a lot at Oklahoma, and every single year he was in the playoffs. He was right about the reason why he left Oklahoma, and it was because he thought, and everybody else knows, every year that he was in the playoffs, he probably had the worst roster every single year that he was in the postseason. 2017, facing um, Georgia. Yeah, they were talented, but they weren't as good as that Georgia team. When we beat them in Miami, they had Kyler, who was the best quarterback in college football that year. Um, but other than that, that's all they had. Like, he could – He's a heck of an offensive coach, but he never really had all the weapons on both sides of the ball to get it done. USC in a weak, weak, weak conference. To me, like Utah is there. Eh, we'll see what Whittingham gets done. But I wouldn't be surprised with, with Caleb Williams, the receivers that they have, the transfers that they picked up. Shane Lee's coming from the SEC to the Pac-12 to play middle linebacker. I know he wasn't great here, and he started here as a freshman. But he's got – he has talent at USC. And I think if he goes 11-1 and one and in the regular season and wins the Pac-12, um, that USC could have a legitimate chance to get in. Other than that, that that's my theory on not, not two SEC teams making it. Yeah, if we get down the wire and Georgia gets in with Alabama or a Texas A&M or an Arkansas somehow find a way to go 11-1 and one and don't make the SEC title game, they could get in. But notwithstanding uh, two teams getting in for one conference, I like those four teams. Um, my question about USC, and really it just pertains to this year, um, 
not necessarily in, in years to come, because I think Lincoln is going to recruit better players. You saw I got Damani Jackson, who was an Alabama lean for about a year, uh, stole him away from Nick Saban last year in, in the 2022 class. And, uh, you know, so he's, he's going to have better defensive players than at USC than he did at Oklahoma. But, you know, this year, uh, do you, do you see, if they were to get in the playoff, do you see it being a lot like those Oklahoma teams where, you know, it's a high-powered offense, it's, you know, run up and down the field, you know, big plays in the run game and passing game, but they can't they can't stop a nosebleed. Um, do you see it being something yeah. like that this year? So even if they do, because I, I agree with you, if they are 12-0, and 11, or 12-1, and 13-0, they're going to get in because of their name. It's USC. It's a lot like Notre Dame keeps getting in the playoff and keeps getting their asses handed to them. Um, you think they learn by now, but they're never going to because it's the brand. And everybody's pumped up about Lincoln Riley going to the West Coast. You know, it's USC. Everybody loves them. And so, yeah, I think if if, if it comes down to a 12-1 and one or maybe even 11-2 and two USC team that's a conference champion – over two SEC teams, I can easily see USC getting getting the nod. But do you think that if, if they were to get in the playoffs, that he'd end up in a situation like he did at Oklahoma? Yeah, especially this year. But if you, I mean, I'm looking at their schedule right now. Let's roll through it. They they are name brand. That's important to remember. There's a lot of buzz about them going to the Big Ten. So the Big Ten right now, listen, they're they're one of the two power conferences. There's not five anymore. There's two power conferences in football. The Big Ten would have a little leverage with like, hey, let's go ahead and get one of our future teams. Like you, you feel that there's a lot of people on that committee that know the future of college football. Rice, Stanford, Fresno, Oregon State, the Sun Devils, Washington State, Utah is the only game until the end of the year. So Utah, like week six, Arizona, Cal, Colorado, UCLA, and Notre Dame at home. Okay. And I think that you, the Utah game is at Utah. So, listen, if they get through Utah, they have to beat Notre Dame. And Notre Dame, new coach, listen, Freeman's recruiting his ass off at Notre Dame right now. They're going to have the best class that they've had in a decade. But we don't know the X's and O's yet. There's a lot of guys that can recruit really, really well that haven't turned out to be great coaches. So, And, and he's a first-year head coach at the college level at Notre Dame that has a, a very tough schedule. So if, if USC can play the brand of ball that Lincoln's used to playing, and he sh they should be able to because, heck, half of his roster from Oklahoma on the offensive side is with him at USC. I mean, the schedule to me reads 11-1 and one in the regular season, and as long as, you know, Utah does what Utah does and maybe slips up one or two times, even if they beat you, you're in the Pac-12 championship game, sitting pretty, and you're right, 12 and 11 and two with a Pac-12 title. Uh, I think I think USC. It's crazy to think that USC would have a good chance to get in. Not saying they definitely get in with 11 and two Pac-12 championship, but um, I think they would probably get in. They might even get in over a 11 and one Texas A&M that didn't even that didn't play in Atlanta. So I can see USC getting in. Not a guarantee, but I can see them getting in. Yeah, I think the whole country is is itching for a, a team like, you know, a West Coast team to get in just because of how flashy they are. But, you know, really, that's pretty much the whole country nowadays. You know, they they had the West Coast style offense and, you know, Oregon broke out the spread with Dennis Dixon in like 2006. It was like, the you know, 
they were the first ones to get up and down the field, do the no huddle, but now everybody does it. And so now I think even teams in the SEC are just as flashy as, uh, as teams like USC. But, yeah, it's definitely a brand that everybody wants to see on the big stage. Um, me, you know, my top three are the same as yours, Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, Ohio State. The offensive power, um, I think they are the only ones that can rival Alabama. With C.J. Stroud at quarterback, I think their receivers are easily better than Alabama's. You know, Julian Fleming, JSN is back. Um, you know, Travion Henderson toting the rock. He returns. Uh, they have an incredibly explosive offense. But, you know, on the defensive side, I think that they might even start four or five sophomores. So they're incredibly young on that side of the ball. Clemson, exactly what you said. I disagree with the K. Is it Klubnik? It's like K-L-U-B-N-I-K or something like that. And K, we'll call him K Klubnik. But um, I think DJ turns it around this year. I, I, I don't know what the hell his problem was last year. I don't know if Georgia just absolutely shook him in week one where he couldn't even score a touchdown. He could only manage three points the entire game. Uh, I don't know if that had an effect on him because of how swarming that defense was. Uh, but he could not figure it out. And he threw it to the other team way too much to play big-time Power 5 football. And to, to make Clemson a contender, I think Clemson was nine and three last year. So it ain't like they were just downright terrible. But for Clemson's standards and what Dabo has built at that program, is about like Alabama going nine and three. It'd be a travesty and it'd be national news. But, you know, little old Clemson, nobody really gives them a time of the, the, the time of day. But uh, yeah, their defense, like you talked about, man, you got guys. Xavier Thomas, Brian Breesey, uh, Trent Simpson, Miles Murphy. You know, the defensive line, the front seven is just raw. A um, little bit young in the secondary, but I think they can figure that out, especially when a quarterback has only about two and a half seconds to throw. Um, but, you know, the thing is with Clemson, a lot of people aren't talking about Dabo has to replace both coordinators for the first time in his career. Now, it seems like this is something that Nick Saban has had to do on an annual basis until Pete Golden got there. And I think Pete's just so bad that nobody wants him as their head coach. Uh, or, you know, so far he's just – he hasn't been up to up to the standard the, – the standards of anybody wanting to poach him away from Nick Saban. But, you know, Saban's had to do this a bunch. He's used to it. Um, and uh, so it, it's in, going to be interesting to see how Dabo handles that adversity that he's never had to handle before. Um, you know, you, you – does he does he have the same kind of trust that he had in Brent Venables? Um, you know, a guy that's been with him for dang near 15 years, it seemed like. Um, so that that's going to be an interesting storyline to follow through the first five or six weeks of the season. Um, schedule's weak, though. I mean, it's the ACC. Uh, you know, UNC is, is going to be pretty average. Uh, Florida State still sucks. Uh, and then, you know, uh, like, like I said, Alabama, Alabama's Alabama. We've told you everything you need to know about them. My number four, I'm going to have to go with the two SEC teams. And I think I'm going to go with Georgia simply because of their schedule. I was checking out their schedule a couple of days ago. They got Oregon week one. That'll be a breeze. Kirby's preparing for that all summer. Um, Oregon doesn't know who their quarterback's going to be. Um, they lost a bunch of guys in the portal. Mario Cristobal is now at Miami, so they have a new head coach over there. Um, it's Dan Lanning, who came from Georgia, so that'll help him out a little bit. But the talent disparity is just not even – it's just ridiculous uh, how much – because, you know, even though Georgia did lose a bunch of guys on defense, but, you know, with the way they've recruited, 
the last four or five years. They're just going to reload over there. They're not going to be as good. I don't think they'll be near as good defensively as they were in 2021. But, you know, you got Brock Bowers. He's going to be your, your sophomore. Stetson Bennett's getting ready to start his 19th year in college. Uh, seems like he's been there forever. Um, but, yeah, I think they handle that. Their road games, this is Georgia's road games, South Carolina, Missouri, Mississippi State, Kentucky. The only tough game they had, much like you were talking about USC having their tough game is Utah on the road. Georgia has theirs at home, and it's Tennessee. And a lot of people are, are talking about Tennessee challenging for the East, and I think that's a big possibility. Um, but, you know, the Georgia fans, you know, that home field advantage, that's really the only game they had to get up for. And, uh, and they, they get them at home. It's an absolute joke of a schedule. Uh, Georgia's, you know, Georgia's the prime reason. Like Texas and Oklahoma, they need to both go to the east and they need to slide Bandy to the west because it's absolute bullshit that Georgia gets to play these podunk schools year in and year out. Florida used to be good 15 years ago, but man, you, you know, you got Anthony Richardson, a quarterback. What's he going to be in a full time role where he has to throw the ball? Um, and he's not a one dimensional player in a situational, you know, or not a situational type player. Billy Napier, another first-year head coach in the SEC. I mean, it's it's ridiculous that Georgia gets to claim that they're a part of the best conference in college football, yet they're going to have a strength of schedule of probably about 80. You know what I'm saying? And it's just very frustrating that – that. And, and, but anyway, my point is I think they're going to – they can get in the playoff even if they lose in the SEC championship game because all you have to do is beat Tennessee – or I don't think Oregon's going to be a contest. I, that line on that game might be 12 and a half. I look for that to be two scores or more. Um, and uh, and I think that the margin of victory, remember last year how they were just beating people's ass. And I think you're going to see that again. I mean, when you're playing Vanderbilt and South Carolina, Missouri, uh, you know, your two West teams are Mississippi State and Auburn, probably the two worst SEC West teams. I don't think that's very – I don't think you're going to get very much pushback whenever you say that those are the, the worst teams in the, in the SEC West. Georgia gets to play both of those. Um, you know, Florida, uh, you know, I don't think they're going to be hot stuff this year. So I think Georgia will get in even with a loss. Um, they're sitting there at 12 and one just because their margin of victory might be 25 plus. Yeah, even more reason for divisions on Georgia. I didn't even know that was their schedule. I just think that they've lost so much on defense, and I think that there's going to be legitimate one-loss teams from other conferences with Alabama being the SEC champions. The only reason – it's definitely going to be Georgia out of the East, unless – and I understand Tennessee is going to be good. Like, they're going to be better. Their offensive scheme is really good. But, man, do they really have a roster that can – Battle Alabama, yeah. I mean, like they can compete, but are they really? Is there rock? I mean, you stack their roster up when you're picking teams, you're stacking up rosters and coaching staff. Heupel's staff is not better than Kirby Smart's, it's not better than Alabama's. Like Tennessee's going to be good, they might finish second. Maybe a lot of people like Anthony Richardson to maybe Florida finish second. Who knows? But Georgia's going to be in Atlanta, but the only reason I don't have them in, in uh, the playoff. It's just because I think Alabama is going to be that good and there's going to be teams from other conferences where the SEC has been lucky a few times with Georgia last year, Alabama in the past, where 
there was nobody else in another conference where you could say, you know what, these teams, maybe, maybe USC is not as good as Georgia or maybe, but you know, they haven't played anybody. They have two losses. So there's, I don't think the SEC is going to be able to get the benefit of the doubt this year because there's going to be some other one-loss conference champions that are going to kick them out. Lester's back with us. Lester, um, me and J-Law both had Bama, Ohio State, and Clemson as our top three. That four spot, or J-Law slid USC in there. I'm going to stick with the dual SEC teams with uh, Alabama and Georgia. I'm going to pick Georgia as my four slot, losing to Alabama in the SEC championship game. Um, do you have anybody different in your top four? Uh, you probably have Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, but give us your top four, your uh, your playoff predictions. Yeah, um, I guess what y'all are getting into um, with USC, um, I, I still have two teams from the SEC, um, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and Clemson. But um, teams aren't who they – Teams are who they are until proven different. So unless Lincoln Riley can, like, not lose that game that he's not supposed to lose, if he can go through that Pac-12 schedule cleanly, win a championship, maybe come out with one loss, um, due to the fact that the college football playoff committee is, is, is human beings now and their end goal is to make money, I think they would be so itching to finally put a West Coast team in the playoff just just to get that market, that demographic, that other half of the country in the playoff for once. And, you know, of course, you know how the media is, ESPN, especially Fox out there on the West Coast, they're going to pump up USC. They're going to be driven down our throats all year as long as they have some semblance of being a, a good team, as long as they continue to win every week. So if I had to pick a fourth team, I would pick USC. And it's not necessarily because of how good the team is, you know, or their merits on the field, but due to the playoff committee and, you know, how the media influences things nowadays, I believe that they will be a good shot to be that fourth team. Yeah, but, hey, and that's, that's exactly what we were talking about. Go ahead, J-Law, you got it. No, I'm saying Lincoln Riley, though, but like he has he has found a way to not blow games that he's not supposed to lose. I mean, he, well, he went to three straight college football playoffs. That's 17, 18, 19. did Kansas State beat him like two years in a row? I know they beat Jalen in 2018. Yeah, he lost it. Or 2019. Yeah, so I mean, he's lost those games. But, man, Alabama's lost games that they might not should lose sometimes have like every time we've lost to Auburn and since 07 <laughs> I mean like I mean it happens but he's found a way this guy has been in a new year six bowl every year as a head coach um while he was at Oklahoma outside of last year so I mean from 17 18 19 20 he was in the college bowl playoff three of those and then blew Florida out in the cotton bowl I think Lincoln Lincoln Riley is such a He's the hottest young coach in football outside of Kirby Smart. I mean, there's a reason why USC would pay him $12 million to go there. And if he loses three games in the in the Pac-12 this year, he's not going to get fired, but he's going to be instantly on the hot seat because, I mean, Helton was going seven and five, eight and four. Like, you have more talent than that guy did. You better go win something, especially – um, when they're paying guys like Jordan Addison to come across the country for four and a half million dollars a year, no telling what Caleb Williams is getting. 
Like they have the skill position players in the quarterback to go 11 and one, 12 and one and get into the playoff. Um, are there, are there any, I, I agree with everything y'all are saying. Are there any other wild cards throughout the country? I know we talked a little bit about Texas and the big 12. Um, who do you, well, let me just ask you this, Lester. Who, who do you think wins the Big 12? Do you think it's going to be Texas? Because you're a big show-me guy, like you just said. You know, you are who you are until you prove me otherwise. And I, I understand that. And, uh, and you know, I was that way with Matt Jones, if, if you remember. I mean, I did not want him starting in 2020 because of what he did in 2019. I watched him throw two pick sixes against Auburn. Um, single-handedly lost us the game. J-Law loves that. But uh, I was like, you know, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to show me that that you're that you're not who I think you are. And uh, boy, did he ever! But uh, anyway, outside of that, though, Lester, if you had to pick a wild card outside of USC, um, I guess they're not a wild card because you picked them in the top four. Who would that be? Who do you think wins the Big Twelve? And do you think we could see a potential wild card come out of that conference? Um, I guess Oklahoma State. But just just based off of sheer consistency, I feel like Gundy always has his team ready to play. They may blow a couple games um, here and there, but they are consistently an okay team. Um, I feel like if they can – and they tend to play spoiler sometimes. So they can get a roll going and maybe beat Texas or something, um, they can do it. But I don't see any other team um, – because Oklahoma's kind of – falling apart well they got their roster picked apart Caleb Williams left they don't really have a quarterback anymore I don't even know who the head coach of Oklahoma is right now um isn't it the guy from Clemson right correct yeah 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 the DC from Clemson so yeah I'm if it's not Texas I'll probably lean towards Oklahoma State J-Law who you got do you think that's about right do you like Texas I know well I mean let me rephrase I know you love Texas because you love Sark you wish he was still Rocking the crimson and white on the sidelines became our coach in waiting. I know all that, um, but maybe what about Baylor? Dave Aranda won the Big Twelve last year. Uh, can can he? You know, a little bit bigger target on his back, but all the eyes are on Texas still. I mean, they're they're the big name in the in the Big Twelve. I don't think anybody's expecting much out of Brent Venable at Oklahoma, just like Lester said with all their roster turnover. Um, well, their whole roster going to USC, but uh, who, who do you think comes out of the Big Twelve? Yeah, I find it interesting. Okay, number one, Alabama guaranteed Natty last year. Like, blows everybody out identically the way they did in 2020 with Sark as your offensive coordinator, not Bill O'Brien. People don't realize, like, Sark is, like, the first guy that took everybody with him. Like, we've lost coaches before. Dude, Sark took our OL coach. He took our special teams coach. He took our analysts with him. He took Millwee with him. And, dude, and, he, and all those guys were elite recruiters. He got so, Bo Davis. He has Bo Davis, who Alabama should have hired instead of Freddie Roach, who literally let the, the five-star 20 minutes from Tuscaloosa go to Clemson, and he might miss on two more at Carver, and he can barely recruit Kelby Collins, who's in Gardendale, which is only 20 minutes from Thompson. Like, what are we doing? But we'll get to that in a, pre, in a, in a later episode. But Texas is ranked seventh in FPI, according to ESPN. Oklahoma's right behind them. They love Texas. Texas has wiggle room in their record, though. They they can see them going, looks like, like nine and three, which will be seventh in FPI. You know, if you know how FPI works, it's a balance of your schedule, the teams you're playing, et cetera, big formula. 
But that's I mean that's seventh, and the only teams in front of them are Michigan, Notre Dame, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama. So like FPI likes them. Um, it's based off of recruiting classes, guys that have come in, like where they were ranked. So it's not all perfect, but Texas has a solid roster. They have the best running back in college football. If Quinn Ewers is half as good as everybody says he is, um, like heck, he's ranked just behind Arch and like the best players to ever come out of high school. So if he's good, they have Worthy, they have the other receiver, they have the head case from Alabama, well, both of them, and, and Ajay Hall and Jaleel Billingsley. And we've already seen what Sark could do with Billingsley. In, in Sark's offense, Jaleel Billingsley is a first-round tight end. With Bill O'Brien, he's a complete head case, and he gets thrown to once a game. So, like, Sark's going to have something ready to go. Can they stop us? I don't know. Is their offensive line any good? That's what killed them last year. That's why they lost to teams like Kansas. But I think Baylor has a legitimate chance to go back-to-back as a, as a conference champion. Dave Aranda, really good. And this is the year Dave Aranda says, oh, man, the Big 12 is really sinking. I'm getting out of Baylor. And there's going to be one of these big, big jobs waiting on Dave Aranda, whether it's in the Big 10 or the SEC. So you're talking about him going to another conference, not Baylor going to another conference. Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, Aranda, Aranda is going to – he's going to come in first or second in the Big 12. And he's in, he's out. He's got, yeah. The he's thing is, good. yeah, the thing is with Texas, I mean, you know, I have to agree with Lester because, gosh, if there's anybody that – and I know he's only been there one year, but there's anybody that lost a game he shouldn't have lost. Last year it was Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, just pick one. Like Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor, those are all ranked teams. I mean, you lost to Arkansas. Uh, you know, this guy lost to Iowa State, Kansas. West Virginia. I mean, a bunch of teams that he was a lot better than. Lost to Kansas at home. I mean, what did Kansas not be in Texas in like 30 years or some shit like that? <laughs> I mean, Kansas like hung like 57 on him. I mean, that game was like, I, I guess it was in the it was in the overtime that Kansas went for two or something like that and got it, but it was a crazy game. And uh, so yeah, if there's anybody that's gonna drop a game that he's not supposed to, it's Steve Sarkeesian. So he's got a lot to prove to me. As a head coach, sure, he has the talent like you just rattled off. He's got a bunch of playmakers. Um, but, you know, a lot like Lincoln Riley in the Big 12, you got to be able to stop people too uh, because, you know, th- there's there's going to be games where you you just can't find it on offense. It's hard to explain. Nobody understands why it happens. Um, sometimes it's the, the defense doing different stuff that you weren't prepared for sometimes. It's just your quarterback having a bad day. I mean, you got to think about that. One guy on the, on, on the offense, if he has a bad day, then that translates into a bad offensive performance as a team. I mean, it, with, with these offenses being so quarterback-centered now, especially Sarkeesian, I mean, his his quarterback at Alabama, Mac Jones, you know, he carried a lot of that weight. As good as Devonta Smith was, you know, Mac had to distribute it to him and Mechie and, and Najee, and, uh, and, and so it was it – was, it's very difficult to win a game if your quarterback's off and that's going to happen. And, and so does he have the defense, the horses on defense to stop anybody? And I don't don't think he does. So big 12 might be a little interesting this year, but uh, anybody else, I mean, ACC, big 10, what do you think about Michigan lesser Wisconsin is usually a team that plays spoiler. Uh, maybe Utah, yeah, you know, we, we talk about the Pac-12 being the weakest conference, and J-Law was talking about how USC basically has one game, and this Utah, that game is on the road. 
that's not going to be easy. I think, uh, gosh, hang on. Who was it last year that Utah beat twice and it wasn't even close? Was it Oregon? Yeah, wasn't it? No, no, no. It had to be a South team. Was it? Yeah. It was. Gosh, I can't. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't remember. But uh, yeah, J Law is looking that up. He's my computer guy. He's got like 12 monitors in that room. But uh, yeah, um, Utah is a, is another team. But uh, Lester, what about the Big Ten? Do you see anybody other than Ohio State, or do you see anybody maybe challenging Ohio State, whether it's Michigan, Wisconsin, whoever it was? Yeah, it was I, Oregon. I, I think whoever has the I, yeah, that was going to be my next um, spoiler is Michigan. If they can just and I think Harbaugh is Harbaugh is quietly trying to get it all together because what they were eleven and one last year, right? Like they were, they had a damn good team. They're in the um, playoff. I mean, oh yeah, that wow, they did make the playoff. Yeah, yeah Georgia beat so, them. Uh, wow. Yeah, and Lester got a little too crazy at the late at, to watch the uh, Michigan Georgia game. I don't remember, so you're probably right. <laughs> But yeah, I think I think if Michigan can continue to put together, um, they can make Harbaugh um, earn that contract that he's uh, making up there. But if not, I think if they don't get it done this year, Harbaugh's probably out. Probably going to go to the NFL or something like that because he almost went this past year, if I'm not mistaken. You could be right on that, no doubt about it. So, all right, guys, there's our playoff predictions. We'll, uh, we'll try to revisit this as the you know as of whenever the playoff teams are announced. Uh, in early December, long way to go until then. A lot of football to be played, but uh, that's who we think is going to be in the, the final four. Um, moving on, let's get into this SEC West conversation because, you know, we are an SEC country. Um, I know we have Alabama fans and Auburn fans predominantly listen to this show, but um, it's also important to know what kind of conference you're playing, the teams in your conference, and, and who's going to be the top dogs. And these are the top – the big four – as I call them, Alabama, Texas, A&M, Arkansas, and Ole Miss. Uh, they're going to be competing for the SEC West or SEC West title in order to go to Atlanta to play Georgia or Tennessee, whoever that may be. Um, so what I asked you guys to do was basically just break down their schedule. We'll talk about who has the easiest road, who has the hardest, and, uh, and I want you to tell me why. So let's start with J-Law. We'll start with you. Tell me who has the hardest road to Atlanta. We'll call it the road to Atlanta. Who has the toughest road to Atlanta, in your opinion? Uh, do, do, do you see the middle of Alabama's schedule? Brutal. It, I mean, I, I don't know how this happens to us. You could you remember? I know twenty ten, like seven teams had a bye week before we played them. Alabama went through an absolute gauntlet inside of that as well. Very similar type year, dude. Alabama goes, man. They go. I don't. Let's just start. Let's. They go. They play Vanderbilt. Whatever. It's Arkansas. It's A and M. Then Tennessee the next week. Then Mississippi State. They finally catch that bye week before LSU. At LSU, then guess what? They turn around in the trap game of the freaking year. The week after going on the road, LSU, 102,000 Cajun gelling at you. A sneaky vault, Hemingway Stadium. Like, by the time Alabama finishes his schedule, listen, I'm not ever going to pick Nick Saban to lose three games. 
But if you were ever going to have a 2010-like year where you start off the year in, in front of 100,000-plus at Daryl K. Royal in, in, at Texas, in Austin, Texas, which you don't know what this offensive line is going to do. Like, so, I mean, you don't know what Pete's defense is going to do in that game. But say you win it. Dude, it's at Tennessee. They're, they're, gonna, they're a contender in the East this year. I mean, there's, like, there's just not a lot of breaks. And, like, I, that they, they have the hardest road in the West, no doubt. Um, I tell you, it's not Texas A&M. Look at their schedule. They've, they've been in this conference since 2012. This is a like year 11, I think. They have yet to play at Georgia. Like, I don't think they have not played Georgia in the regular season. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's kind of crazy. Alabama's schedule is just so difficult. Arkansas, you know, they're going to say their schedule's hard because guess who they have to play? They have to play Alabama. They have oh. to play Texas A&M. I mean, like, they, they have some games in there, and Ole Miss will tell you the same thing. But Alabama's schedule between the big four is definitely the hardest of the teams that are really competing in the West. Lester, do you have anybody different? I just want to ask, because I have Alabama as well as the toughest road. Do you have anybody different? Do you see it different? So my answer is I'm going to say Arkansas, but um, I, I'm going to rephrase that. They have the toughest schedule relative to talent. Alabama supposedly has the best talent in the country. So despite having a tough schedule, they are better equipped to handle that. But I'm looking at Arkansas. I got a couple of teams written down. Um, Cincinnati, you never know how that game's going to go, but um, they seem to have things going pretty good up there. That might be a tough one. Um, Arkansas plays Cincinnati, Texas A&M, Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss. Um, South Carolina is still rebuilding in the East. Don't really have to deal with, worry about them a whole lot. Miss State, um, I still think that Leach is just a wild card coach. Either the either when you play Miss State, Miss State, that's either going to be a um, a cakewalk, or Mike Leach is just going to have you in the torture chamber for three hours. There's, I, I feel like there's really no in between with Mississippi State, and um, and they pulled Missouri from the East. So, um, relative to talent, I think Arkansas has the toughest schedule to get to Atlanta. I see. They that. do have a sorry. Jay, they do have a hard schedule, but all of their tough games are neutral site or in at home. They yeah, play Texas A and M and Austin, and the rest of their tough games: Alabama. Um, who else is at the bottom? LSU is at home. They close out the year on the road at Missouri, which is a dumpster fire right now. Arkansas, the schedule looks tough, but I think just because of where they play most of their games at, with the amount of talent they have coming back, doesn't it's not as bad as it normally would be. Yeah, yeah. I, I also think that Arkansas—they're not going to sneak up on anybody anymore. You know, Arkansas is getting to the point where they've arrived. They're they're at the they're almost to the point where they're as good as they're gonna get for that program. So they're not gonna sneak up on anybody anymore. And people are gonna be anticipating and waiting on them. There ain't no faith in Sam Pittman to keep it going. <laughs> I mean, no, he's gonna be good. Don't get me wrong, but he's not gonna be a consistent, you know, get to Atlanta type coach. Arkansas is going to be very good they're going to beat some teams but they're not going to be you know their ceiling is not going to be get to atlanta consistently why are we why is everybody putting so much stock into a team that lost to auburn at home last year because there was a botch call in that game as they're 
always is when Auburn plays. And uh, was it the fumble or something like that in their own territory and Auburn got the ball anyway? But, I mean, hey, if they played Auburn the back half of the schedule, they'd have beat them by three touchdowns just like everybody else did, except for Alabama. But, I mean, like, like you know, I think Lester has, has a good point. I think out of the big four, Arkansas probably has the least amount of talent, but they're not lacking in the talent department at all. Um when it comes to the lower half of the SEC. I mean, I still think still think they're an up a top an upper tier SEC team. Um, whenever you put together the East and the West. Um, you know, you got KJ Jefferson back. He's he's there's a lot of snaps, bumper pull on defense. There's a lot of snaps on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball. And you know, good thing about Arkansas, they don't have these juniors that go pro. I mean, all the all the juniors they have come back. Um, you know, so there's a lot of experience on both sides of the ball. And they do have to go to South Carolina. They're rebuilding, but you know, you've got Spencer Rattler over there. You never know. Uh, he had a terrible year last year, he got benched with the true freshman Caleb Williams at Oklahoma. But you you never know if he's going to turn it around mentally or not. He's in a new conference, a new um, area of the country, new coach, new system, all that jazz. So it could be beneficial for them. Uh, yeah, AM on the road is going to be tough, or at the, at the neutral site is going to be tough. But uh, yeah, Bama at home, LSU home, Ole Miss at home. Uh, they do have to go to, to Jordan Hare, but luckily for them, that game is in the second half of the season. Auburn has the potential to start out four and one and then finish five and seven. That's very possible. If you look at the way their schedule sets up, we'll go over that in a later episode. Um, mine, I, I think I, I'm, I got to go with J-Law. It's got to be Bama. And I understand Bama has more talent than everybody on this list. But at the same time, Alabama doesn't get the normal Arkansas. They don't get the normal Texas A&M. If you, if you didn't find that out last year, LSU, you know, everybody when they play Alabama, it's a completely different team. You're going to get max effort which, you know, you should be like, you know, everybody's like, well, they should be giving that every week. They don't. Um, whenever Alabama comes in, they find something extra that they have buried deep down inside, it seems like. They have different schemes on offense, different schemes on defense. They, do, they put stuff in specifically for Alabama. Teams are doing it probably right now. As you listen to this podcast, there's probably a team out there scheming, watching Bama film, scheming to where they can hurt their defense next year. Uh, it's very likely. And so for Alabama to have to go to Texas, I know they're not in the SEC, but that's early in the season. Um, you know, also, by the way, I think that's a make or break game for Texas. We saw what happened with Jimbo Fisher and that Florida State team in 2017 when Alabama just beat them 24 to three and uh, just knocked out their quarterback and just completely derailed not only their season, but their program. They had not been able to get near to near the level that they were. Um, Prior to that game, it seems like they just Alabama just beat them in more ways than one. Um, very, very um, likely for that to happen to Texas also. Now Alabama goes into their home stadium. You beat them by three touchdowns. You know you're all hyped for this game. It's been the preseason talk uh, all summer, and um, and then your your season just goes off the tracks. It's very likely. But anyway, um, as far as SEC goes, for Alabama to have to go too faithful to college, or I'm not, not a conversation, to Knoxville, to Death Valley, to Oxford. I mean, it is just ridiculous how tough that's going to be. Um, you know, Tennessee on the road is a huge contender, like I said earlier in the East. This is a team that returns like 
think I read eight starters on offense. You know, you got Hendon Hooker back. You got Cedric Tillman, who caught for over a thousand yards last year. You got Brew McCoy transferring in from USC. That's another big time playmaker, former five star. Uh, you know, Alabama out of the big four. Um, Alabama's the only, or Alabama and Ole Miss have to go on the road to play two of the other three. So I think it's Alabama's the toughest and then Ole Miss. J-Law, you mentioned um, A&M had the easiest schedule out of the four. Lester, do you want to piggyback on that? Do you think, do you agree with that? Do you, ha- do you have somebody different? Do you think it's Ole Miss? Because obviously it's not Alabama. So is it A&M or Ole Miss that has the easiest schedule of the big four in, in the road to Atlanta? Yeah, I. I'll. It's okay I'll, to agree on this because I have AM as well. I mean, like. Well, I was going to say, I was going to say AM because they have Miami on the schedule. I don't know how good Miami's going to be, but Old Miss gets Kentucky, who's really good in the East, I feel like. LSU, AM, Alabama, Miss State, but they pull Vandy. So. I don't know. I I think yeah, I'll go with AM because they're pulling Arkansas, Ole Miss, Florida, LSU, South Carolina. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I think AM they AM has the has the weaker East team. So I'm gonna say they have the easier schedule. Yeah, uh, you know, AM uh they get South Carolina and Florida out of the East, as I said earlier, you know, Billy Napier, first year head coach. Anthony Richardson, first-year full-time quarterback. Um, you really don't know what you're going to get out of them. They might be good. Who knows? Um, but as of now, you know, mid-July, I'm going to say that Florida is not going to be a 9-3, and 10-2 football team. I think I'm, you're looking at them being 7-5, and 8-4 and four at their ceiling for, the, for 2022. Um, so you, you get those two out of the East if you're Texas A&M, and then – you know, you get Auburn and LSU and two of your last three games, I believe it was, um, with that cupcake thrown in the middle there somewhere that, like they always are. And uh, I think that's very important for Texas A&M when you're looking at their schedule because Auburn and LSU, once again, I mean, you know, they could surprise some people. I don't think it's going to happen. But you're looking at two programs that might be 500, maybe barely above 500 at that point in the season. Uh, and so how much motivation is there to, to play somebody like Texas A&M? You, you, you get what I'm saying? I mean, of course, when you play Alabama, it doesn't matter what your record is. That's just you're playing Alabama. That's just how it is. That's not being a homer. That's a fact. If, if you know, I think everybody knows that by now. But Texas A&M doesn't get that kind of love yet. So I think that playing those teams later on in the schedule benefits Texas A&M because you're going to get two teams that, you know, might have given up on the season. Who knows? Um, so, yeah, that's, those are our easiest and hardest schedules, in our opinion. Um, J-Law, who wins the West? You think, you think it's Alabama easily? Or do you think there's some serious competition? Like, as far as the games go, how close are these games – between Alabama and Texas A&M, between Alabama and Arkansas and Alabama Ole Miss. Let's narrow it down to an from an Alabama fan standpoint. Um, what, how, how close do you think these matchups are? If you judge it off last year, I mean, you could easily say 
Alabama loses a few of these games. I think they are better. So I think Alabama's better up front this year. We texted about this. I think Latham is an instant upgrade with another year under his belt to get stronger. Steen isn't Evan Neal, but I think he's serviceable. And I don't think you're going to get worse in the middle. I mean, Cohen's back, Dow Porter McLaughlin, Ekior's a three-year starter at right guard. So I think the overall offensive line is going to be better. You're not going to have the running back situation you had last year. And I hope to God our top two receivers don't go down. But I think I think Alabama handles Texas A&M. I don't think a and is going to be great. It's in Bryant-Denny. That, that place is going to be rocking. And it's not the same type of, oh, we're going to get Hugh Freeze, like the 2014-15 thing. Listen, they beat us up there, and they came and beat us here on, on some fluky plays. This is like on a, this is a little personal level between Nick and Jimbo. And it might not be four touchdowns, but Saban's going to assert his dominance in that game. Um, but I think the Arkansas game could be close. I mean, it's going to be rocking in Arkansas. Make no mistake about it. Um, Kendall Browse is going to unleash everything he has to win this game. However, Arkansas plays, I think, A&M and Alabama like back-to-back. They're at two and three weeks, so that's going to be tough. A&M goes – you could say that Alabama's schedule is hard. A&M does have a tough stretch, if you will, Miami, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Alabama. And Alabama is the back end of a four-game stretch before their bye week. So, listen, they're going to be a little banged up coming into that one, too. Ole Miss is the scary one for me. So, like, if Alabama's going to lose a conference game other than te- Tennessee, I think think that one could be it. So, uh, listen, it's not a guarantee Alabama wins the West. Like, A&M could win the West because Alabama has to go on the road to Tennessee and then has to go to Arkansas, then has to play Ole Miss – towards the end of the year and all three of those games are on the road and they're, they're winnable games, but there could also be some games with some trouble. And if you lose two conference games, you're probably not going to Atlanta. Lester out of Alabama's um, big road games, not counting Texas. We'll keep it in the sec. So Arkansas and well, let's say, let's say Arkansas, Tennessee or Ole Miss, which one of those to you, it will be Alabama's toughest competition. Tennessee. Agreed. Yeah. I, you know, it J Law, as good as Ole Miss is, you know, Jackson Dart, former five star from USC, Zach Evans, uh, former five star from TCU. You know, Kiffin's made a name for himself in the transfer portal. He's done a tremendous job there. He's got hella talent um, flowing around that campus in Oxford. I, I, I agree with Lester, dude. Tennessee, because I think by the time you get to Ole Miss, you're used to playing on the road. I think that really got Bama last year against Florida. You know, it was only the third game of the season or whatever, third or fourth game of the season. And, yeah, they jumped out to a 21 nothing lead, capitalized on some mistakes by Florida, but they couldn't put them away. And I think they really struggled. So, hopefully, that's your last road game of the season. Hopefully, by the time you go into Oxford, you're so used to playing on the road. And, I mean, the stadium holds, what, 50,000? You know, so it's not like it's a hundred thousand at DKR that you're going to face week two at Texas. Um, you know, it'll still be loud, but I mean, I think it's easier to play in Oxford than anywhere else. But Lester, keep on going. But I agree with man. I think it's Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, Tennessee. Um, Tennessee's been on the up and up for the past two or three years. Like, like, like we've seen this coming. If there's any year or any time period where the winning streak to Tennessee ends, it's going to be starting this year where they're a legitimate threat. Please don't say um, that. 
I know, I know. It sucks. Knock on wood. Find some wood. It's real. It's it's hundred percent real. Um, they're 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 they've got it together. They do not have dysfunction within that organization anymore. And we say all the time, um, or I say all the time, what separates this conference from other conferences is, and other teams in the other conference from other teams, is want to. Tennessee wants to do it, and they finally have a head coach and and an administrator and and an administration that is competent now. So those fans, those boosters, that, you know, athletic department, those coaches, those players, it's stewing in the pot. And uh, it's going to, it's going to, it's a good recipe right now. And it's going to turn out good for them eventually. I hope not this year or the next couple of years, but they're taking the necessary steps to become a really good organization. Somebody get Lester an orange shirt. Listen, they're going to be good. I'm not Lester, you're banned for two weeks. They're going to be good. They're going to be good. But, man, I just Alabama's not losing that game. Dude, if you notice, if you notice I think I brought this up to you all, that like Bama just goes up to Knoxville and just beats their ass. In this in this 15-year winning streak, all the close games are in Bryant-Denny Stadium. You know, 09, 2015, last year. You know, what was it, Tide going into the fourth quarter and Bryce just took off? Um, but every time we go up to Knoxville, we just beat them by three touchdowns. You good, Joe? Going back in the port. Hey, I was going to Dudley. I was, I was trying to, I was trying to text you. Yeah. Um, they, listen, they, when we go there, we dominate them, which is, which I think is more impressive than what, is it 15 or 16 right now? 15. So that I think that's even more impressive than the 15. Like the two closest chances they've actually had to beat us is actually on our home field. Like that, that makes this streak against Tennessee so much more impressive because dude, you go up there, dude, you win by four tutties. I mean, and and like AJ 2013, was it 2013 when like Blake Sims played the whole second half? I mean, like you just gone up there and you dominated those guys, and it hadn't been close. It's this one's gonna be closer. But is it in their DNA? Like, just think last year. We got a chance to put these – last year's game really wasn't that close. It still was a 24-point game. J-Mo fumbles on the second possession. We've done – we did some stupid stuff. Like, we're – that's like the real – the second time all year that our offensive line just looked like it couldn't touch anybody. It was just a strange game. And we still won that game by 24. And the crowd was out of it, by the way. It was a close game, and our crowd was, like, scared. They weren't yelling and screaming. They were like, oh, crap, Tennessee's in this one. And Bryce um, fumbles, but he recovers it in the end zone, and after that, the game's over. So I I, I think that it's not going to be as close as everybody wants it to be, but I'm still scared of the game. Yeah, I, hey, I was just making a general point. I, I mean, I – all right, I'm going to make a statement. I think Nick Saban's coaching job – it's harder in today's SEC, in today's college football, than it was in the beginning. I, I don't think that's a, 
a stretch of a statement. But if you look around the conference, I mean, Florida got goofy-ass Dan Mullen out there. Tennessee has a competent coach. Um, Texas A&M, they got Jimbo, even though he's a doofus. Arkansas is getting good. I mean, the conference is getting really, really tough, specifically the East. I mean, you got Kentucky whooping ass sometimes. That's all I'm saying. I'm just making the point that other teams in the SEC are, are getting their act together. Yeah, and I think that not not just that. Um, J-Law, is my mic better? By the way, you told me it was loud. Okay, I got the thumbs up. My bad, guys. I was trying to play Lester's favorite song, Rocky Top, and I think my mic adjusted to it. So if I was a little loud back then, I apologize. But uh, I think um, another thing, I think teams have figured out, like, what you have to do when you play Alabama – you had to be a huge gambler. You had to do stuff that you're not comfortable doing. Like the in in the spread era, it can be small stuff. You know, the motions last year in the Texas A&M game, I think they ran motion like 10 times all year prior to that Alabama game. And I think they did it like 15 in the first half or something like that. And so you to your to your average fan that doesn't really know a lot of X's and O's about the game, you you think well, I mean, how is that? How does that affect? Do emotion affects everything? Like in the spread era, especially in a complicated defense like Nick Saban, I think teams are starting to use that against him. If you watch, you know your shifts and your your overload formations and your odd formations and your motions to get into odd formations. Everybody, I think enough Saban assistants are out there now to figure out, hey. When we motion, everything changes for them. So whenever we have them at home, let's do this and this and this, and he's going to try to go to that. He's going to try to change something up. But by the time you look to the sidelines and try to get a new signal in, we've already snapped the ball and we're gone. So it's on Saban and Pete Golding to be able to adjust like we've talked about for years. You've got better athletes than everybody. Just make them beat you one-on-one run your cover two, run your zone and be like, I don't care if you, if you go to a three by one, I don't care if you're in a two by two and you motion to a three by one. I don't care if you're in a three by one and you motion to a two by two. It doesn't matter. This is what we're running. And we're going to make you beat us straight up man to man. And if you can, then we'll adjust to it. But, you know, Nick Saban's been pretty stubborn in that. And uh, so I think teams are starting to figure out that like, you know, you saw Arkansas last year, the first play of the game, they shifted into a wildcat formation. I mean, I think teams are starting to figure out that in order to keep up with Bama when you obviously have less talent is to is to just be a huge gambler, you know, like Kiffin going for four, on fourth down ten times or whatever. Of course, he did that just about every game. But uh, you have to be a huge gambler, and you have to do stuff that you're not comfortable doing and that you're not used to doing. And, uh, and, and so – with Alabama, yeah, Alabama's schedule is, is definitely not going to be easy. Guys, do y'all have anything else? Um, you know, we, we, we discussed our playoff predictions and our and our big four. Do y'all have anything else? Y'all about ready to get out of here? Uh, that's it for me. J-Law? Let's, uh, let's actually do something on the recruiting trail. Yeah, it'll be nice. And stop getting white guys, please. We need we need to get the guys to send questions to answer. I I really enjoyed that part with Dudley last week. Couple a couple questions, put them out there, thought provoking. It was fun. 
Yeah, ain't no doubt. And, uh, you know, there's a rumor about a July rumor. I'm going to throw that out there. Guys, look, if you follow recruiting or if you're on message boards or Twitter, everything, I'm, I'm trying to teach this to J-Law. He gets really worked up over recruiting, and I get worked up too. Don't get me wrong. Uh, in his defense, I get to, I get pissed off whenever we sign guys that are ranked 500. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. That should never happen in the University of Alabama, but it's July. Like, you have – five months to the early signing period and a lot the meat of the recruiting goes on in season because right now you've got everybody's best recruiter is contacting you every single day when it's not in the dead period. And I'm not exactly sure when the dead period is in the summer, but um, you've got every single, the, every, everybody's top recruiter contacting you every single day. Then when the season starts, You've got school. You've got your own high school practice. These other colleges have practice. They're trying to prep for games. A lot of teams will really back off on the communication. And so I think that's a big part of recruiting. And I think it's something that Nick Saban does better than any other coach and his staff does better than any other staff in the country is maintaining a solid relationship and solid communication with these high school kids once their own season starts and once Alabama season starts, because it's not easy. I mean, you can't, you really have to have a good balance and Hey, you know, we have to stay in contact with these high school kids, but at the same time, we got to prepare for Texas. You know, it's not easy. And I think that, you know, it, it does a lot for these kids to get a call from Charles Kelly or from Nick Saban, um, from Freddie Roach or from T Rob on a Wednesday night at 8.30 at night, be like, yeah, we just got done preparing for Texas. You know, we're going to be the most watched game in the country this week and, and you know, all the, all this stuff. Or, hey, you know, you see what Bryce did last week? He threw for 450 against Utah State, and he's about to break our own time passion record. You know, I think that – I just think that goes a long way with these high school kids. And I know money is a big factor. It's probably the biggest factor for a lot of these kids, which sucks. But – I think Nick Saban, once the season starts, I think Alabama recruiting will really pick up as far as landing the big dogs. And let me tell you this, even if somebody is committed right now, there's no guarantee they're going to end up there. I promise you. So, you know, I'm not naming any names, but that, that's just, that can go for anybody. You know, there's a guy that's committed to Ole Miss right now that's probably going to end up in Crimson uh, sooner rather than later. But so, yeah, if you if you have any recruiting questions for us, we'll cover recruiting um, – in a later episode, uh, we'll hit it. We'll hit on it at least one more time before camp starts. And uh, and but yeah, if you have any recruiting questions, you can you can tweet me. I'll put this out on Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. You can DM me on any of those accounts um, that I send it out on. You can just reply to wherever I, I send the podcast from. Um, if you have my number, you can text me. We'll add them to the podcast. That's and we'll answer them. Um, when we do the next episode, there's no problem with us. Um, if you had J Law's Twitter, Lester's, you know, they had Twitter, Instagram as well, Snapchat, you can do all that with them. Um, but I uh, guess if you don't have anything else, we'll bounce out of here. Uh, this is episode 63, Gumpinners Podcast, Chase Thornton, Jeremy Law, Lester Mitchell. We'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>